0: Hi, if this is your first time listening to The Mirror, I recommend going back and starting with episode one. This episode of The Mirror is proudly supported by Mecca Empower, a social change movement championing equality and opportunity for women and girls.
1: My name is Lily Madden, and I'm a proud Aranda, Banjalang, Kalkadoon woman from Gadigal country. The Daily Oz acknowledges that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people, and pays respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations. We pay our respects to the First Peoples of these countries, both past and present.
0: Just a warning, this episode deals with sexual harassment and assault and may be distressing for some listeners. There's been a tradition in politics of women staying silent.
2: For years, I have ignored it
0: get to you, don't let them get to you. Of not calling things out.
2: None of us spoke about it, none of us reported it. For
0: fear it would backfire.
2: I was so terrified that it'd be made to be my fault.
0: But the last few years, something shifted.
2: I'm absolutely over it
3: and from here on in, when it happens, I'm calling it out. Women working across Australian
0: parliaments, at local, state and federal levels, in varying positions of power, have come forward with their stories.
1: Two women who claim they were sexually assaulted while working for Liberal politicians have blasted the party's okay, culture. ...news this hour surrounding the Melbourne Lord Mayor... Female
2: Labor staffers sharing their stories in a private Facebook group, oh including allegations a quote,
1: of... He's a man who groped me and tried to stick his tongue down my throat. You know
2: what misogyny looks like in modern Australia.
3: From The Daily Oz, I'm Billy Fitzsimons. This He's is The Mirror. mirror. It is a great honour to be standing here today, not just in this remarkable place that is the Senate, but at a time when... I'm Sarah hanson young I'm a Senator from South Australia.
0: Sarah hanson young was elected to Parliament in 2007 at the age of 25. And this is a responsibility I relish and which I take great pride. She was the youngest person ever to be elected to the Federal Senate.
3: And I stood out. I looked different. I sounded different. And it became very clear to me right from the get-go that some people thought that I just shouldn't be there. You know, a senior journalist said something to me recently that made me realise how important as a young person my role in Parliament is. He said, I don't mind if 20-somethings have jobs. I just don't think they should be running the country. Not only was she a young
0: woman, she was a young mother as well.
3: My daughter was um, had been born on the campaign trail.
0: In June 2009, Hanson-Young became a national talking point.
3: Green Senator Sarah Hanson-Young had her two-year-old daughter taken from her arms late yesterday.
1: Parents' rights in Parliament are being re-examined after the Senate President ordered a crying toddler to be removed from the chamber. You said last night that you felt humiliated. It must have been quite a, an, a, quite a difficult experience to go through.
3: It was quite difficult. Uh... Hanson Young says she also experienced misogyny. Being a single woman very much made me a target of sexualised slurs, innuendo and bullying. The cut and thrust of politics in the chamber bubbles over to being very personal. I've had men in the chamber yell out other men's names at me, suggestions of, that's the person I'm sleeping with or that person, all they want to do is get in your pants which is all meant to be a bit of a a head fuck. It's meant to throw you off your game and get you to sit down. And there was a period where I was trying to ignore this for a long time and thinking as a young woman, don't let them get to you, don't let them get to you. But it did. I was anxious before I would stand up and speak. There were days where I I just refused to go, I just couldn't. And that's not good, this is my workplace. Hanson Young put up with it for years. I've seen a number of uh, other women in Parliament copying sexist abuse and and, and treatment and thought to myself, well, thank God it's not just me.
0: Then in 2018, something happened.
3: David Lionhelm, the Member of Parliament, slut-shamed me. And he did it in the chamber. Senator David Lionhelm has sparked outrage after hurling crude abuse at his Greens counterpart, Sarah Hanson young
0: During a debate on legislation about preventing
3: violence against women, Lionhelm said, Stop shagging men. Shocked. I told him that he was a creep. His reply was to tell me to F dot 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 off. Parliamentarians don't have an employer. There's no human
0: resources department to complain to. There was no claim I could have made against him. There isn't even a formal code of conduct or an employment contract that sets rules around the behaviour of parliamentarians. I couldn't get
3: my employer
0: to step in. To clarify, there is a ministerial code of conduct for those in the Cabinet, but not a broad one for all parliamentarians. And on top of that, there's something called parliamentary privilege. Which is basically a protection for parliamentarians when they're speaking on the parliament floor. They can't get sued, even for things
3: like defamation, so harming someone's reputation. Um, And you can't be held liable for anything that you say.
0: So when Lionhelm called across to her in the chamber, Hanson Young
3: didn't have many options. But then... He actually went on Sky News and doubled down.
2: Um, This is not a criticism, but Sarah is known for liking men. Um, The rumours about her in Parliament House are well known. So uh, I just said, well, stop shagging men then, Sarah. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. If you think they're all rapists, why would you shag them?
3: Once he went on Sky News and said even worse comments, out of the protection of Parliament, I knew I had to stand up for myself. For years, I have ignored it and pretended that they would just go away, that it wasn't impacting on me, that I couldn't hear the comments. Uh, I'm over it. I'm absolutely over it. And from here on in, when it happens, I'm calling it out. Hanson Young sued
0: for defamation.
3: It became very clear to me that pretending that this is not going on and being stoic about it does not help. I felt a huge sense of responsibility. If that's what happens to a member of parliament, what happens to someone who stands up to a harassment in their workplace when they work at the bar or on the shop floor or in a factory or in a classroom, in an office? The the message of my silence was, I believed, irresponsible.
0: Hanson Young eventually won the
4: defamation case. Tears and relief after more than a year fighting her reputation in court.
3: I'm glad it's over.
0: This is a really important decision. But even while it was before the court, she continued to face a certain type of insinuation in the
3: Senate. Of course, Senator Hanson-Young can't make that case. There's
2: a bit of of Nick Xenophon in her, and I don't mean that to be a double reference.
0: Nick Xenophon was a senator.
2: But there's a bit of Xenophon in her,
3: references committees and not attendees. Senator O'Sullivan can ask...
0: She stood up and called it out.
3: Real men don't insult and threaten women. They don't slut-shame them, and they don't attack them and make them feel bullied in their workplace. I have sat in this chamber for weeks and weeks, months, and heard the disgusting slurs and attacks coming from a particular group in this place. And I, for one, am sick of it. And I know many of my female colleagues on all sides of politics are sick of it too. And I will name you, because you are not fit to be in this chamber, you're not fit to represent your constituents, and you're not fit to call yourselves men.
0: Up to this point, we're focused on the stories of politicians. But in recent years, more and more staffers, the people working for the politicians, have spoken up too.
2: I'm often asked whether I've experienced any sort of sexism or mistreatment based on my gender in Parliament House or in my political work. And I've got to be honest, like, how much time do you have? Chelsea Potter was a staffer for a Liberal senator. It was part of my every day. I saw men, my peers being promoted above me for and really, to be honest with you, no know, apparent reason my relationships were constantly questioned. You see, according to the camera room, Emil, there's like no one that I haven't slept with. So <laughs> I, like every man I've ever come into contact with apparently has been a thing. I, it was so much a part of my everyday that it just felt so normal. Like it's that kind of frog in boiling water. It just becomes part and parcel of what you expect. In 2015, I was in Canberra and I was sexually assaulted by a colleague after work one night and I was in the middle of Canberra and had nobody. It was actually an intensely harrowing experience. I didn't report it to anyone. In fact, the next day I went to work as if nothing had happened. I was so terrified that it'd be made to be my fault and that my career would suffer as a result of it. And that was kind of the mentality. It was a real survival mentality. And my conversations with women since that time, we were all in the same boat, like we were all suffering. None of us spoke about it, none of us reported it. By about 2016, it was just getting harder and harder. This person was still very much in my workplace. Chelsea decided to quit. I thought it was just best to step out of politics, which was heartbreaking because since I was 16, that was the only job I ever wanted. It's still now the only job I want. And so I made that decision.
0: Chelsea wasn't ready to tell her story. At this point in 2016, not many parliamentary staffers had come forward with a story like this.
4: Um, My name is Dania. I first told my story of experiencing sexual abuse in politics in 2019.
0: Dania Marnie was a staffer for the Liberal Party in New South Wales.
4: I think it's important to go back to the first story of a sexual violence or harassment in politics after the sort of Me Too movement arrived in Australia and properly started to take off, which is that of Tessa Sullivan, who is a disabled woman of
0: colour. In 2018, a woman named Tessa Sullivan, a Melbourne councillor, so working in local politics, came forward accusing the then Melbourne Lord Mayor of sexual harassment and assault.
1: And we have breaking news this hour surrounding the Melbourne Lord Mayor. He has just a short time ago announced he'll be taking leave over unspecified allegations that have been levelled against him today. The actual.
3: Specific-
4: she told her story of just very, very ongoing harassment that she experienced in a council context.
3: Melbourne's Lord Mayor is denying several serious allegations of misconduct. Now, she's claimed
0: that the Lord Mayor has made several inappropriate comments to her, but also she's claiming there was one incident where he's groped her breasts, which would be indecent assault. Now, he has vehemently denied all of these allegations. He's apparently... been shocked
4: seeing her go through that and seeing that for once we were also actually talking about experiences of a woman of colour and that she was being afforded some sort of a platform was really heartening. However, it's also important to say that she was to pieces by the media. Tessa Sullivan has expressed her frustration at media reporting of the alleged incident. Using the social, she was media even the subject of a media watch episode regarding all of the issues.
1: And it's now two months since the Herald Sun splashed this front-page story, which it suggested would blow up the complainant's case. Lord Mayor probe bombshell. Councillor's text sparked dramatic twist in harassment scandal.
4: And I think seeing what Tessa went through only really increased the determination I'd already had to sort of tell my story.
0: Danya alleges that in 2015, while working as an assistant advisor to the then Speaker of New South Wales Parliament,
4: she was sexually abused by a male colleague. I chose to speak on my own terms in some way and wrote an essay women's
0: agenda. In March 2019, Danya's essay was published. The headline read, why victims of sexual harassment in politics are still forced to
2: suffer in silence.
4: In fact, that women's agenda story is how I got in contact with Chelsea.
2: I'd reached out and said, look, the party's not gonna thank you for doing this, but like I've had some experiences and her and I kind of briefly connected. She came to me and said, look, there might be an opportunity to tell your story. It would help a lot of people, I think. And so in July
0: 2019, Dania and Chelsea told their stories to the Sydney Morning Herald and The
1: Age. Two women who claim they were sexually assaulted while working for Liberal politicians have blasted the party's culture. Chelsea Potter, who worked for a federal minister, alleges a colleague sexually assaulted her in Canberra in 2015. Danya Marnie
0: has come forward alleging a New South Wales Liberal staff had sexually assaulted her at her Sydney home in 2015. A
4: man who I didn't want to be in my home came to my home uninvited and was on top of me. Ms Marnie says colleagues cautioned her about coming forward. You'll be told that it's your fault and you'll be seen as untrustworthy.
2: And what's the response been like since you've gone public from within your party?
4: The silence has been deafening. After I told my story, nobody in New South Wales Parliament, where I'd worked, even acknowledged it. And there was a very quick decline in attention. Shortly after Dania came
0: forward, she had a phone call with a senior person in then-Prime Minister Scott Morrison's office. According to Dania, the senior staffer didn't believe her allegation. He didn't understand why I and other women hadn't gone to the police. Dania says she had this constant feeling that no one believed her.
4: I don't think you can separate out the reality that I am a woman of colour from the way that I was treated, which is with deep cynicism and like severe, severe questioning as to whether I had any appropriate recall of what had happened to me and whether anyone would believe me.
0: Daniel would go on to make numerous attempts to talk to Morrison about the treatment of women in politics.
4: I also wrote to the Prime Minister twice, like with very long letters. I just got no reply to that. I
0: actually spoke to Dania about this for a story I was working on at the time. And when I reached out to the Prime Minister's office to ask if Scott Morrison intended to reply to Dania, they told
4: me he would respond. I have never actually received that reply. It was just kind of devastating to again sort of see that even that is not a given for women like me.
2: The response from people in Parliament was pretty deafening.
0: Chelsea was also underwhelmed at the response she received from her former workplace.
2: There were two, only two people, MPs, who got in touch. Uh, the rest, I didn't hear anything at all. Complete silence. Like, it just, I kind of sat back and I had no regrets, but I was like, kind of like, what happens now?
0: In November 2020, over a year after Dania and Chelsea came forward, ABC's Four Corners aired Inside the Canberra Bubble.
3: Welcome to Four Corners. There's a strong but unofficial tradition in federal politics of what happens in Canberra stays in Canberra.
0: Reported by Louise Milligan, it looked at the conduct of some of the most senior politicians in the nation
3: Serious questions are now being raised about the Attorney General's conduct, and they go back over decades. This isn't okay,
2: the behaviour wasn't okay, and the culture's not okay, and there should be something done about it. Watching the Canberra bubble, that's the moment I kind of sat up and went, Yeah, I reckon this is going to become something.
0: In February 2021, another story broke.
1: An explosive allegation that throws the spotlight once again on the culture inside Parliament House.
0: A woman named Brittany Higgins alleged she was raped by a male colleague in Parliament House in 2019.
1: Brittany Higgins alleges what happened inside one
0: night was horrific. She was working for a federal minister at the time.
1: Former Liberal staffer Brittany Higgins says she was raped by a colleague in the early hours of March 23, 2019,
0: The man at the centre of the allegations denies all wrongdoing. The case is currently before the courts, so we won't go into much detail of her allegation. But the political response to her allegation is important to talk about.
1: When Scott Morrison first commented on the Brittany Higgins allegations.
0: This is Sean Kelly. He was a staffer in the Rudd and Gillard years, but today he's a journalist. He also wrote a biography on Scott Morrison.
1: He made a comment that was kind enough and and sympathetic enough. My government takes all such matters, uh, all matters of workplace safety, very, very seriously. Uh, But was also very largely pro forma. It sounded bureaucratic. Everyone should feel safe in their workplace, wherever that is. So then he came back the next day and he was asked again. I said yesterday in the parliament that we had to listen to Brittany. And he said that he talked to Jenny.
0: Jenny's his wife.
1: And she said to me, You have to think about this as a father first. What would you want to happen if it were our girls? And he was asked, uh, Shouldn't you have thought about it as a human being? What happens? And I've always thought the Prime Minister's response to that was even more amazing. He said, look, in my own experience, being a husband and a father is central to me, my human being. So I I just can't follow the the question you're putting. That to me seems like a radical admission of being not able to empathise with almost anybody.
0: Morrison was under pressure. But it wasn't just the coalition coming under fire.
1: Female Labor staffers sharing their stories in a private Facebook group. As the cultural concerns that have challenged the Liberals for the last month now confront Labor. I'm going to read out a couple. Quote, he's a man who calls his female colleague a pig dog when she disagrees with him. Quote, he's a man who says he'd never sleep with a woman without a thigh gap. And quote, he's a man who some 40 years my senior groped me and tried to stick his tongue down my throat in a lift at work.
0: More and more stories of harassment and assault within parliaments were coming to light, and from the individual stories, women standing up one by one and speaking out, a movement was born.
3: I felt that explosion of frustration.
0: Next week on the Mirror. There's no avoiding this rising tide of fury. Yes, this episode has brought up any issues for you, you can call 1-800-RESPECT on 1-800-737-732. The Mirror is researched by Lucy Tassel, produced and edited by Nina Koppel. I'm Billy Fitzsimons and we have loved working on The Mirror podcast. If you're loving listening, we'd really like to hear about it. You can give us a rating and review wherever you do your podcast listening and you can also share it on your Instagram story and tag us. We'll be back next week with the fourth and final episode of The Mirror. See you then. This episode of The Mirror was brought to you by Mecca Empower, a collection of individuals and organisations working to advance equality and opportunity for women and girls. Empower is partnering with many remarkable organisations working to educate, elevate and empower women and girls. From First Australians Capital amplifying the success of First Nations women-led businesses to the Skyline Education Foundation working to support high-ability girls who face social and economic barriers in Victoria, Empower is here to make a difference. Find out more at empower.mecca.com.au.